had a number of experiences and but i'm not letting it define who i am i'm still traveling i'm i'm five foot three and i weigh 105 pounds i'm a tiny woman but i'm still got a lot of moxie i travel all over the country by myself you know pre-covid i was flying 65 flights a year and it wasn't my work so i'm not letting it define who i am but i'm cautious Welcome to Dream Mentorship Podcast. Here at Dream Mentorship, our goal is to inspire women with big dreams who want to learn about and utilize ways in which to be successful boss women in their chosen fields. Tune in each week as we discuss different versions of success with various industry bosses, moms, students, and women in general who are able to take their lives and businesses to the next level. We are here to provide everyone with information on how to live your own dreams because those dreams are valid. Without further ado, welcome your incredible host for this podcast, Mac Jane Creighton. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Mentorship Podcast. Of course, you know I am your host, Mac Jane Creighton. Today, I am super, super excited to introduce to you our guest, Ellen Pasqua. She is one of the most effective and dynamic speakers addressing the life authoring impact of high risk behaviors. And today we're gonna have to ask her a little bit more about her job. But before we get into that, I want you to know that for the past 25 years, her passion has been to help transform the lives of over half a million students at more than 650 universities nationwide. She provides programming for countless businesses, professional associations, the military, high schools, and parent groups. Elaine has worked with athletes from 31 professional sports teams across the NFL, NBA, and major um, league baseballs as well. So this morning, as I was just talking with her and chatting with her, um, she mentioned that she's been um, down this way um, in Alabama. Um, Auburn fans, you you might not be um, too excited about that, but hey, um, Elaine has been down here, and we're excited to hear her story and to also hear about her book, Hashtag Mom, I've Got This, Building Your Legacy in College and Beyond. All right, Ellen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes. So I want to start from your job, you know, what you do. I know that's kind of um, a sensitive topic, you know, talking about advocating for safe sex, drinking practices for sexual assault victims and, you know, for having a safe college life. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that even started? You know, many of us have tragedies in our lives and we make choices of how we want to move forward after we've had those painful losses or moments. And um, I lost my mom and my stepdad to AIDS-related complications. My stepdad contracted it unknowingly from a medical product and passed it on to my mom. And so we lost both of them within five years. And it was devastating for my family. But 
because they responded in a way that they did not want, we were instructed not to tell anybody, which is very painful when you're losing both of your parents and you can't tell people why they are dying. And it made me want to speak out more. So when my mom was on her deathbed, I got her permission to be able to finally share her story. I said to her, if we don't share your story, we're not going to teach people about the prejudices against those with AIDS. Can I tell the truth mm -hmm. now? And she nodded her head yes. And so I started speaking first about HIV and AIDS because I did not want any, want anybody to go through what my family went through. And mm -hmm. two years after speaking to many health professionals and other organizations, I reached out to a college, which is 10 minutes from my home here. In uh, I live about 25 miles north of Philadelphia. And I did a training program for their RAs. And the dean of students loved the program and he mentored me and he got me on the national circuit. So one person can change the whole direction of our lives. One person that, that, we, that touches us like this. And then as I was speaking at colleges, I was hearing the stories of students who were making, you know, bad choices and they were being dismissed from school and it was just changing their whole future. So I then knew that I needed to broaden my area of expertise. And so I started to do my research and I brought my expertise to address the high-risk drinking, the general sexual health, the sexual assault. And, and then over the years, I recognized that not only do college students need it, but members of the military, pro athletes who are coming in, you know, it's a whole new world for them and lots of temptations, uh, doing parent groups, doing high school. So I learned not to put all my eggs in one basket, but to just keep expanding my outreach. That's really good. I mean, I am fascinated um, by just the work that you do. Um, I, you know, you, you just speaking had brought up a memory um, years ago when we, I was younger, I probably... Um, in elementary school, um, someone that my mom knows um, contracted um, HIV, um, and it was like a hush hush thing. Like you know, don't ever speak about it. Don't speak up about it. And we only—I don't even know if my siblings knew much about it because they were a lot more younger. Um, but I knew about that. Um, so I and and that kind of what was motivated me um, to write my first book on um, the need not to stigmatize people um, living with. And I went on, uh, which is funny now that you said that. I just brought up memories. I went on to start advocating. I got involved in HIV AIDS um, campaigns and groups. Um, while in college, on even after I graduated from um, college, so I, I can relate <laughs> to that part of your story. Parallel, yes, parallel experiences. <laughs> yeah, and this the, the 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 thing that's most difficult about HIV. I mean, we all lose we all lose loved ones, and it's so difficult to say goodbye to people that we love. But with HIV, there's a whole nother layer of pain on top of that because of the stigma. And, and to see these people die in secrecy and shame because they contracted a virus. Pneumonia is a virus, you know. Uh, we have hepatitis is a virus. We have so many viruses, but people speak out and share that they have it. But with HIV, there's this stigma. Right. Well, this is powerful work that you're doing. So you. have you seen a lot of changes in sexual practices, drinking practices and sexual assault um, statistics since you started this work? Well, I, I can say that the one thing that I have seen is that there's, oh God, there's, yes, there's been many changes. So 
Um, the AIDS epidemic changed things dramatically where, um, you know, I grew up during the period or came of age, I should say, sexual awareness or sexual being, I guess I should say, during the sex and drugs and rock and roll era. So anything, you know, goes at that point. And then HIV and AIDS in the 80s changed all of that dramatically. Now, when I started speaking in the 90s, um, 1997 is when I first started speaking. I think the thing that has changed is there's more of awareness of practicing safe sex and, and using condoms. And I think we're trying to connect more of the um, impact of high-risk drinking to the unprotected sex as well. What I have seen that's negative is people are becoming a little bit more prudish again. And I can't talk as openly and honestly um, as I have in the past. I used to sing a song, and I, I won't go into details about it because I don't want to offend people, but the colleges loved it. And then in by around 2010, I started to see that people were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, she's saying this. And, and mm -hmm. so I had to. I had to change. I had to ratchet it back and become a little bit more conservative on stage again, which saddens me because um, mm -hmm. you know, we shouldn't be that way when we talk right. about sex. Sexual assault, the awareness is tremendous. Um, we were not seeing that two decades ago. And I mean, when I was a young woman, we never had any, any talk about it whatsoever. And the majority of women, including myself of my generation have been sexually assaulted, but we never talked about it because it was just perceived as, oh, that's one of those things that happens. Mm -hmm. And not even thinking of, that it was a crime. So now there's so much more awareness what I find disheartening, though, is that I still talk to so many young women on college campuses who say almost all of my friends have been sexually assaulted. And I would I would have hoped that we would have made a little bit more of a positive gain in that direction and raising awareness. So but we have to keep talking about these things. Right. And, and that brings me to ask, because what you're saying is absolutely correct. I'm in a college um, college town. I'm also involved in, you know, with college students and I hear that a lot from the women um the young ladies there's always you either personally you know someone who's been assaulted or you have been assaulted um so it's it's there we know it's there it exists but then it's right. still that nobody wants to talk about it or do <laughs> something about it um in in a sense yeah. how do you broach that topic how do you talk to people who have either been sexually assaulted or harassed or in you know they don't want to talk about it because it's such an emotional topic um anyone who's ever been close to sexual assault or being involved you you know that it never goes away the image the memory never goes away oh, yes. you. i i i was sexually assaulted on an elevator back in the 80s in rome and um, every time I <clears throat> get on an elevator these days, I still cringe when a man steps on with me. And that's, that's decades later. So it does stay with you. So my program is very broad. You know, I'm raising awareness. I'm creating a safe space. So if I, I start with if any of you need to walk out of the room, because, I, because when I do talk, it might present a trigger. I want you to feel safe to do so. Um, and then I talk about what sexual assault, what rape is, because there's a difference between the two and right. talking about how, you know, we often think of it as, you know, men being the perpetrators, but it can also go from female to male, male to male and female to female. So 
you know, you want to you want to raise awareness as to who are the victims and that uh, how many um, how the, that eighty percent of the cases is an acquaintance scenario. I do a very strong piece on bystander intervention and wanting people to engage in the It's On Us campaign and sharing stories because so many students have reached out to me after the fact about uh, what has happened to them on their particular night. And with their permission, I anonymously share their stories. I think it's really important that we have the audience understand the emotional impact and so they are more inclined to be involved in the bystander intervention. And then I give them strategies of how to look, how to call people out on their uh, behaviors, because rape is not an issue of somebody being horny and wanting to get lucky. It's an issue of somebody wanting to gain power and control. So how do you take that power and control away from that person? And then talking about consent, what it looks like, what it's defined like, um, you know, what it sounds like, talking about coercion, talking about incapacitation, how to talk to victims if somebody has come to a friend to mm -hmm. share this painful experience, how you talk to them in a way that will enable them to move forward, to go get help and not to discount what happened to them or to shut them down. So, you know, my programs are engaging. I get them involved in conversations. I do interaction, um, interactive exercises too, um, to bring different perspectives forward. So um, that's, that's basically what I do. I do want to back up one thing too, when you asked about how sex has changed. Yes. Pornography has changed sex dramatically. I'd say the online porn, the pervasiveness of it, I am not prudish. Believe me, I've been flying around the country with a blue penis in my um, latex penis in my bag because I do condom demonstrations. But the the ability for one person to just open up and, and watch hours and hours of porn on their phone. And what we're finding is that it's actually rewiring the brains of young men. Mm. And um, many of them are having a harder time being stimulated in, in a real life situation and achieving a climax. Um, I'm talking to so many young women and this is what concerns me because some of these people, they're watching so much porn that that's how they're learning about sex and they're not learning to be organic and in the moment. And so many young women have said, well, I've never had an orgasm and neither have my friends. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a lot of it because they're not, connecting to one another. They're going through a script um, because of the pornography. So there's, so that's one of the things that's changed dramatically, I'd say over the last eight years or so. Mm -hmm. I want to talk more about, um, you know, talking about friends or knowing someone who has been either sexually harassed or raped. Um, how, how can parents or how can friends provide support for someone you know who has gone through that? It's important to understand that the per first person that the survivor goes to is the person whom they trust most. Mm -hmm. And that reaction from that first person is so important. So I'll share an example. You, young, one young woman told me how she shared with this guy who she's best friends with right after she was raped that um, this incident had happened. And he wrote back on Twitter, and uh, not Twitter, um, on message. And he said, I saw your pictures on Snapchat tonight. You looked really drunk. You look like you were asking for it. 
Now, wow. we never, ever, ever be victim blaming somebody. Even if a person's had too much to drink, then the responsibility falls on the other people in the room to keep them safe. So right. what, what a person should do if somebody comes to them, even if you're you're not even sure if this, the story sounds like, well, I'm not sure if that was sexual assault or not. You listen with an open heart. You listen with an open mind and you don't cast any judgment one way or another. You don't say, I'm going to kick that person's rear end for doing this to you, or I'm going to do this. Or you don't say, a lot of people have heard this, oh, that was just a drunken hookup. That was nothing. So you listen with an open heart, you listen with an open mind, and then you encourage that person, let's get you some help. Let's get mm -hmm. you some counseling. If it has just happened, you can also say to that person, we should either go to a rape crisis center or to an emergency room to get a rape kit. Now, if you have a rape kit, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to press charges, but it's good to have that evidence there to give that survivor control of a situation that they lost control of. Mm -hmm. And then you get the rape kit and all that evidence is there. And that's, and then you can decide moving forward. And I want to touch more on that because you just brought something that's really, really valid. Um, a lot of young women, um, because I've, I've had, you know, I've had people um, talk to me also in this. And I, I know cases as well of people who are like, OK, I have the rape kids and I want to press charges, um, but it's not going in my favor. You know, it's always that where's the evidence that this is really an, um, a sexual assault or this is actually rape? I mean, in the case of a rape, yeah, um, if you're able to get the rape kit. Um, but how, what is, you know, there's always that, oh, there's a hotline, you can call the hotline if you need help. And I know some colleges now even have um, like emergency buttons if you feel unsafe, um, that you can, you know, press the button to alert um, the authorities that you are not safe, you don't feel safe. Um, but what can people, what are practical, like from your experience, practical steps that people can take to get to that place of healing, to get help, to make sure that they get the counseling or the supports that they need. The most important thing is, and you just use the word, is to get counseling and to go to see somebody. But um, it's good to see somebody who has a lot of experience with sexual violence and uh, because they'll understand what the survivor is going through. Um, you know, I've just seen it. So many survivors have responded by stop engaging socially. They've told me I've locked myself in my room for several days, or I didn't understand that what happened to me was, was considered rape, but it was eating away at me. I just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel normal. And that's why it's so good to talk and to validate your feelings. And if that counselor is experienced, they can help you move through it so you can move past. Because what I like to say to all survivors, don't let it define your life. Right. I was slipped a date rape. I've been sexually assaulted a number of times. You know, I pulled into a room at a party when I was drunk, um, you know, slipped a date rape drug in Philadelphia, attacked in, a, in an elevator in Rome. I've had a number of experiences and but I'm not letting it define who I am. I'm still traveling. I'm, I'm five foot three and I weigh 105 pounds. I'm a tiny woman, but I'm still got a lot of moxie. I travel all over the country by myself. You know, pre-COVID, I was flying 65 flights a year. 
and because of my work. So I'm not letting it define who I am, but I'm cautious. And that's one of the things mm -hmm. that I do. I talk to like, you know, you should not be jogging with two earbuds of music in your ear because you're, 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 uh, one of your greatest lines of defense is your sense of hearing. And you want to hear if somebody's coming at you. You need to follow right. your instincts. I have on a couple of occasions gone to people when I'm, when I just see somebody and I see something that makes me feel uncomfortable. That's your greatest gift is that, that gut level intuition. And I have gone to somebody and said, would you walk me to here? Because I'm just seeing this person and I'm not feeling really good about that. And so knowing when to ask for help too. Yeah. Yes, that's really, really good. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit um, because I want to get into your book. Uh, Mom, I got this. I have another one that I'm releasing too, actually. Not oh, too okay. Too. And the one that I'm releasing is called Breaking the Aging Clock, A Guide to Turning Back Time because you know, so many people are living very unhealthy lifestyles. And so I'm co-writing it with another a member of National Speakers Association about how to um, how to live really healthy, good, mentally healthy, physically healthy, you know, keep your stay vibrant over the years. And then hashtag mom, I got this building your legacy in college and beyond. It was a series of articles that I wrote for Campus Activities magazine. I had a column in that magazine for six years. And then I got permission from the editor, whom I'm good friends with, if I could compile them and put them into a book. And so what it does is it, it's giving, providing advice to people as as they're in college and, and life beyond about all different practical levels. So I'm very, I used to be dental hygienist, so I'm a science wonk and very engaged in health. So there's a number of chapters on unhealthy living. We talk about alcohol, drugs, diet, all this thing, even about the rhythm of our, our timing, our body clocks, and when's the best time of day to do your writing, to do your exercising, mm -hmm. all of that, being in touch with that. Um, there's There's things about you know, making right choices and how to interview for a job. You know, there's just so much. It's just chock full of practical information. It's not meant to be read chapter one, two, and three. It's one of those books where somebody can skip around and look mm. at the different topics that I have to offer for them. It's I love my, it. It's all my wisdom, <laughs> all of my wisdom that I've learned all my life that I like to share to help people. Yes, I love it. Where can people buy um, this book? And of course, um, would you let us know when um, your new book comes out? Sure, I will. Um, this book, we I never got it up on Amazon. So they can go to my website, uh, www.elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E, and P is in Peter, A, S is in Sam, Q-U-A, Dot com. So elainepasqua.com. And there is a link there to purchase the book. Awesome. So you all heard her. Go get the book. Um, I love the things that she shares about this. So one more question before we go. Um, Elaine, I absolutely enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, and, but I want to ask, um, in your line of work, you have so much experience. I, I really do wish uh, we we can sit in the in a kitchen table and just have long conversations we about all these different I'm not going anywhere. I'll do another interview because we never really got to talk about empowering you young women and building yes. a career so mm -hmm. yes I think we can you know go into that because I'm going to ask you one advice that you would give to young women out there who are listening to this conversation right now 
have the moxie and the confidence to keep moving forward and understand that every day we're going to get pushed back a little bit. We might get punched down a little bit, but every time somebody pushed back on me or, 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 you know, punched me down, I would just stand up, dust myself off and say, I'm not going to let this stop me. And I'm going to find a different way to get it done. And you just keep moving forward and you just have confidence in your mission. I built my whole career by calling people on the phone. I did this all organically. I did it all on my own. And even with the NFL, I, you know, just calling up a certain team and I didn't give up. They said no the first year. And the second year I called them up again. And then the third year I said, I'll come in for free. And I got my foot in the door and that opened up my world to professional sports. So you do what you can. You follow your instincts, but keep moving forward and don't let anybody take your dreams away from you. You know, if, mm. if you truly believe in your mission, then you just keep moving forward. And even though I have 25 years of experience and even though I have have built this national reputation, I'm still experiencing challenges. And, and right now my work is the slowest it's ever been because of COVID. And so I think what's important for all of you too, learn to reinvent yourself. And that right now I'm pivoting. I built a studio in my home and I am now doing virtual programs, pre-recording programs for people. So you have to keep learning to recognize latest trends. Don't just get stuck in one lane and just keep, seeing what the opportunities are, listen to advice of people. People might just say one thing that'll be like, wow, yes, that's a good thing. Maybe I should look into that. So listen to people too. That's one of the greatest gifts that you will have is being a good listener and not being afraid to reach out for advice. When they look at Madonna and they look at the success of her career, which expanded decades, they said it's because she continually reinvented herself and she continually stayed fresh. And I've built that reputation. So many of my clients have said, Elaine, you've just have always had this amazing ability to just keep changing, to stay relevant, to want people to still be interested in what I have to offer them. So go for it. Have that moxie. Don't let anybody take your dreams away from you. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much, Ellen. You heard her. Don't let anybody else take your dream from you because you know what? Your dream is absolutely valid. Thank you so much, Ellen, for joining us on the podcast today. It was such, such a fun time chatting with you and, and absolutely loved everything that you had to say. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hope to see you at the next recording. Make sure you check out our other podcasts and also check out our events that are coming up. We have an event coming up um, um, recently. So check out our website for all the fun stuff that we have um, for professional development and women empowerment. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Dream Mentorship Podcast with your host, the amazing boss lady herself, Mac Jane Creighton. If you liked what you just heard, you can head on over to dreammentorship.org to learn more about Dream Mentorship and what we do as a nonprofit organization. Remember to tune in again next week for more boss lady realness. This podcast has been recorded and edited by Jenna Cohen.